Hey, and thanks for signing up for the Public Alpha podcast. That's Reed's joke. He thought it was absolutely adorable, and I'm going to include it here. Uh, the Public Beta Podcast for March 25th, 2020, Wednesday. Here I am. We are taking it back to Alpha as I am alone. After the world's loneliest sound check, I find myself speaking to an empty room filled with only my pets about video games, as we all do at one time or another in our lives. Uh, me and Reed, who work together in an office, uh, currently are, are working from home under mandate. Uh, I go into the office from time to time, but Reed is definitely at home, uh, and we have not been able to meet up for the podcast. Why don't you stream the podcast and record it that way? Uh, maybe something we will consider in the future, uh, but we are also very busy uh, with our current business on top of all the other goings-on in the world right now. Uh, so, however the show must go on, there's a lot to talk about. The video games have returned. New releases are coming out. Last Friday saw the release of both Animal Crossing New Horizons, which I will talk about momentarily. Doom Eternal, which Reed has already completed as of four days ago, or whatever it was, as he pretty much played it nonstop from Friday until it was done. Rip and Tear until it was done, as it were. Uh, so he recorded a little bit himself on his end about what he's been playing, inclu- including Doom. We'll get that to that in a moment. Uh, but yeah, so this is kind of going to be the format, uh, probably for the next couple weeks. We are going to delay the New Vegas talk, part three. Will we ever get to Novak? Hard to say. Uh, definitely, definitely we will. We will re- rejoin that when we can both be in the room together and play off each other, uh, and enjoy the conversation, which is what this podcast was built on. But in the meantime, I'm going to, I'm going to crack one here, a killer grape sippy. Still waiting for my case in the mail, Rockstar. Most recently uh, acquired by Pepsi. Congratulations. Brand talk here. Hot brand talk in the Public Alpha podcast. Let's talk about Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, It came out on Friday, 20th, as I said, on the Nintendo Switch. Full price game. uh, And it's fantastic. No, uh, you know, no word of a lie. It's a masterpiece. I don't know, maybe. Uh, So I've been an Animal Crossing fan since its North American debut on the GameCube back in 2001. September, I believe it was. Uh, and just immediately fell in love with the series, and I feel like I would have really uh, taken to a uh, Harvest Moon or games like that had I been exposed to them at a young age, and I just wasn't. Simulator games, like the Farm Sims and stuff, I'm like, man, if I had that when I was a kid, I'd play a lot of it. Now, as an adult, it doesn't appeal to me as much. Uh, but Animal Crossing was kind of my first life sim game, uh, including games like The Sims, which I, I never played. Animal Crossing was it, so that GameCube game uh, holds a place deep in my heart. And I re- most recently plugged in a Wii uh, to start playing Animal Crossing, start a new town, just see how far I could get in a month in anticipation of the new Switch, New Horizons release. I uh, had some fun. You can get a lot done, especially if you go to an old memory card and ransack them of all of their bells. Pay off your, uh, you know, get get the basement, get the third tier of your house pretty damn quickly that way. Uh, figure out how much, yeah, there's like a weird cathartic thing with like selling all your, like go to the other Animal Crossing town. It's like, oh yeah, this, I probably put 288 hours into this. Let's pick everything up and sell it to a raccoon, uh, and give it to my new self and see, see what happens. It's weird how, uh, even thinking now of your new Horizons town, if it was taken from you, you'd be like, God damn, that would suck to start again. But someday... 20 years from now. Uh, Anyway, so I've been doing that. And then, you know, while I had the Wii out, as I said uh, in previous podcasts, I pulled out Fantasy Star Online. Mmm. That killer great. Let me tell you. Uh, Which is also a, uh, you know, top 10 game for me. I love Fantasy Star Online. Uh, Episodes 1 and 2 for the GameCube. Played a lot of it split screen with with friends on very small televisions. Uh, It's amazing. We still have our eyesight intact. 
Uh, and that was a great game. So I started uh, playing as a uh, force in that game, which I never really got really far in the game with, as they rely on uh, magic and TP, and it's a little bit more item management and not a lot of fighting. So I've been playing that. And then for this past week, for Animal Crossing New Horizons and for uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 to drop. Fantasy Star Online 2, which is an MMO, Japan, Japan only, released eight years ago. It was 2012 or 2013. There's seven years of content in that game, and I have never looked at that game for five seconds. I'm like, if they are not going to localize it, if I will not be able to legitimately play this game, that is an MMO. I am not going to search out a free server. I'm not going to play an illegitimate version of an MMO. Thank you very much. And then seven years went by, and uh, still no moss. Uh, but now suddenly, so, uh, does Sega, uh, no, Sega know about this? Someone went and put Fantasy Star Online 2 on the Xbox, and I believe Windows PC, I have no idea if it's coming to the PS4. I have no idea what's going on with this game. It is bizarre as hell. I'm getting off track from Animal Crossing talk. We're going to come back to Fantasy Star later. Uh, My point being, though, uh, that New Horizons might be the first proper console follow-up to the original GameCube one. City Folk did not click with me. It may be the Animal Crossing I played the least. And then the other most updated greatest Animal Crossing would be New Leaf, which is on the 3DS, not playable on a television uh, which I count for some reason uh, as real Animal Crossing. I don't know. Anyways, uh, so here we are with New Horizons on the Switch, a portable and console. Uh, you know, so if I want to play some Fantasy Star Online too, uh, wife can just grab the Animal Crossing and go ahead with it. There are some quirky things, Nintendo quirky things in this. Uh, first, I will be the first to say, Nintendo, you finally used your friends list within a game. Uh, I don't know if even Smash has this or other games like that. The... Um, you can you can invite people to your island via your friends list. It actually sees who's online in Animal Crossing, and then you can tag them in Animal Crossing uh, and tag them as a best friend. So I believe they can come and go from your town as as they please, if that's correct, uh, and, and let other people in. You can let everybody in your friends list in, should you choose. A lot of cool options with that, which is very un-Nintendo, incorporating people's friends list, not having to give people a code. Uh, if you want to just quick invite someone, say a stranger that you're not friends with, there is a quick code function, which is better than the the usual console code. So credit to you, Nintendo, for that. I already visited uh, friend Mike's island and grabbed uh, the fruit he had within, cherries. I started with apples. We're getting into some hot Animal Crossing talk here, so if that game doesn't interest you at all, I highly recommend skipping ahead. So you uh, move to a deserted island, or rather, in my case, my wife moves to a deserted island. Uh, We are playing on the same Switch, uh, so we play in the same town, and that was... uh, So a lot of people are buying two copies uh, of this game, which is pretty wild, uh, meaning they have two Switches, and they want their own islands and towns. And listen, I get it, uh, but I I am more than happy to uh, have someone else kind of do half of the lifting in terms of... Um, you know, getting the amenities for the town, planning the town out. I'm cool to uh, to kind of sit back, relax by the beach, which is where I put my house, and just, uh, you know, let the world pass me by, man. Uh, I'm still pitching in on uh, the bigger projects, of course, building the store and whatnot, all those ingots. Hearing bizarre stories of people online, uh, like having problems with finding crafting materials, uh, or getting to the axe, or eating too much fruit and then busting all the rocks in their town and not knowing how to get more more ingots... Uh, it's from rocks, so don't bust all the rocks in your town. Uh, that's a new feature. You can eat ten pieces of fruit and you become, like, jacked. Uh, and then you can literally destroy rocks. Uh, and I believe they do respawn the same way weeds do. Also, if you like picking weeds in Animal Crossing, oh boy. 
Uh, th- this is three stories, cliffs of weeds to pick when you move into this place. Uh, you get to choose between uh, one of four maps for your town. Uh, with rivers running around, and they're all strategically kind of placed that they lock off parts of the island uh, to you for until you get certain uh, equipment. So if you play the hell out of Animal Crossing the first day it comes out, chances are you're going to find yourself with the ladder or the vaulting pole pretty quickly, which allows you to reverse cliffs and uh, rivers respectively. Uh, getting all the tools, again, you, uh, you're crafting in this game, which is new for Animal Crossing. You're picking up literal twigs and stones uh, in this game. Um, when you move to town, you being the only human, uh, other than the other player characters, uh, with a few villagers, uh, you all start in tents. So it's a really reduced Animal Crossing at start, and I like it. I like the slow ramp up. I like the idea of planning your town little by little. Uh, the slow burn of Animal Crossing. If you're a time skipper, I am not going to gatekeep and tell you how to have fun with Animal Crossing, especially at this point in time. Uh, but I think you are d- deriving yourself of a certain joy of the slow burn, the the... The payoff, the delayed gratification of Animal Crossing. So shame on you, but also go with God. I don't, I don't give a shit. Do what you're going to do. Uh, so, uh, my town, as I said, my wife moved in first. So she kind of set the lay of the land, chose where her house was going to go, chose the island. Uh, I was sitting right there with her. We, we named the island together. We chose the island together. So just be aware, though, if you are in a household where multiple people will be playing Animal Crossing... Uh, and you go into business for yourself and do all this by yourself, they might feel a little left out. And then there are other events later on, uh, as you start playing this town, uh, the per- the first player basically chooses where the majority of things are going to go or when they happen. Uh, so that's fine, uh, and I'm fine with it in terms of the layout of the town and stuff like that. But some people are really choked about that, uh, and they that's kind of always been the Animal Crossing way. But also, it, it, can it go any other way? Otherwise, it's going to have to selectively choose which player maybe you never log in so how long is tom nook supposed to wait to offer a new amenity until the second player logs in if the first player is playing every day of the week and could really use that amenity i don't something to keep in mind uh you still have a different experience i've bought things and received things from other animals i can make a lot of things that uh, my wife cannot uh, and vice versa, it, only she can make way more things uh, than I can because Nook gives her uh, recipes, uh, do-it-yourself recipes, to craft uh, for the residents coming in. Uh, so Nook, who bamboozled three uh, beings into coming to this island yourself and two villagers. Uh, in our case, we got Drift the Frog and uh, Sylvia, I believe, uh, the kangaroo and her joey. So I guess the the baby's in on it too. Tom Nook has no, he knows no mercy. Uh, so, uh, he, Tom Nook's there with his sons, and they're uh, in a tent, and they've got some things for sale, and hey, you've got this deserted island package, you're leaving it all behind. A dodo flies you in on an airplane, he's wearing aviator sunglasses. The dodos, great new characters. Uh, real, yeah, just good, good well-written. A lot, lot of the dialogue in this is, is top-notch. Uh, it's good to see Animal Crossing return to that. Obviously, uh, the characters you move in with at first are kind of heavy archetypes of what they are, and everybody kind of gets those same archetypes, but I've had a lot of unique conversations uh, that kind of just kept going on, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty wild that they wrote all this dialogue. Uh, anyways, so you, you've moved in, you have your tent, uh, obviously as you, uh, there's the Nook Miles now, these are like bounties, you can, <laughs> you can assume. Uh, you have daily ones, you have uh, ongoing ones, and they earn you miles. You pay off your tent with miles, including your deserted island package, allows you to get a house, at which point you start paying off your house in bells. 
Uh, Timmy and Tommy are located in the resident services tent. Uh, they are your store until you are allowed to build Nook's Cranny, and I think eventually upgrade it. Uh, you can also sell things to them until 10 p.m. when they're closed, or to the box outside after they are closed. Uh, there's an ATM in Nook's tent. This allows you to buy things off the Nook's shopping network. Uh, which has all manner of things, as well as the Nook Miles, and these are things they can update over time. They can add seasonal things, they can add new things to unlock with your Miles, and that's really exciting. And one of the coolest things you can get, of course, is a deserted island ticket. 2,000 Nook Miles gets you a trip to an island. Uh, as the Dodo who drops you off there says, they literally burn the maps after they uh, leave, so you cannot come back. Uh, so you, at this point, strip the island of all its natural resources, uh, find if there's any friends living there. In my case, I found Sydney on mine, uh, the koala, and I said, hey, you should consider coming live on my island, because when I'm done with this island, there will be nothing to eat or uh, do, uh, as I proceeded to cut all the trees down, smash all the rocks, catch all the fish, pull every head off every flower... And then uh, fly away in my plane. Uh, so that's kind of fun. And apparently you can get rare versions of that. You can find uh, rare items on these islands. Uh, so keep keep trying at that. And if you're like my wife who last night had 30,000 Nook Miles. You can afford it. And uh, find some cool stuff. Like bamboo. I want bamboo. I don't know where to get it. Uh, so... You know, Minecraft sneaking into my Animal Crossing here. It works. Uh, I've heard a lot of complaints about the tools breaking. Uh, so now that there's crafting, there's a degradation meter that's invisible uh, on your tools. Your tools are also in your inventory. I would like the tools to be out of my inventory. And then I can I have the radial dial where I can switch between them, which you unlock with Nook Miles. You don't get it free. Nothing's free on this island, bitch. Uh, and then uh, I would like those out of my inventory. You can also buy inventory expansions from Nook. He's like, hey, if you wear, if you attach these pockets to your pants, you can fit ten more beds in there. Uh, there's all the designing features, the, the pro designs. You can import things from New Leaf and stuff you have painstakingly made. Uh, there's topography editing in this game, so don't feel like you have to paste your own paths, because eventually you will be able to make them. Uh, you can make fences. You can put stuff outside. Animal Crossing New Horizons is uh, pretty damn great, but it is just Animal Crossing. Keep that in mind. Uh, if the if the series has eluded you, this one uh, I think is 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 cool to get in on. Yeah, it's fucking Animal Crossing. The point is there is no point. Uh, you live your life. You you find things you like. You put them around your house or in your house. You make friends with animals or you don't. Uh, you can make up your own stories in your head about the animals and what they're saying behind your back. That kangaroo hates my guts, man. I don't know why. Talk shit to my face, but then when, like my wife goes to talk to her. It's all good. Lee's great. Did you hear what Lee's title is? Internet custodian. Isn't that funny? Lee makes me laugh so much. I go talk to her. She's like, oh, you again? Didn't we just talk like 20 minutes ago? Fuck off. Uh, so that's my relationship uh, with her. Uh, Drift's pretty cool. He's uh, he's a pretty swole dude. He's always exercising. He's got a punching bag in his house now. Guy's keeping fit. Uh, since then, and Sydney moved in, of course, as I invited her from the deserted island. Since then, we also had Apple. And uh, Mo, the cat, moved in. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. And we got the... Uh, Mabel came to visit, bought some clothes off her. Great great times. And I'm going to kind of curb the Animal Crossing talk now here at 15 minutes or whatever it's been. Uh, I'm going to be back very briefly uh, after Reed's section here, as I will call it, uh, to discuss Mark Cerny's talk on the PlayStation 5 from this past week, which was a GDC presentation and apparently not what people were looking for, uh, and talk really briefly about Fantasy Star Online 2, one of the mo unique, most weird experiences I've ever had playing video games, and I'll explain why that is. But for right now, cheers to you, Reed. Thanks for doing a little uh, bit for us. Reed's going to ramble on for about 
15, uh, 17 minutes or so about Doom or whatever else he's been playing. And he had a great time. Uh, so hear him gush about that and then back to me and we'll send you home. Hey guys, this is Reed, so I'm filling in my portion of uh, the Public Beta Light podcast, or however we're going to end up calling it. If it's anything my way, it's going to have something to do with an alpha. I think that's pretty fucking cute. Anyway, so we're going to get right into it, what I've been playing this week, and then I'm going to go over Doom Eternal, and it sounds like we're going to leave New Vegas out until we can actually meet up again in person and do the podcast, right? So yeah, uh, right now what I'm playing is I'm continuing along with Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I am on disc 2 now, I've got the high wind, I'm very overleveled and doing everything just right. Hell of a good time. Um, me and Lee were talking about it, he brought up an interesting point. Halo and Final Fantasy are sort of like, they're along the same wavelength. <laughs> they, they, they peak, they hit a plateau, and they sort of uh, decline in quality, but it's not noticeable right away because the good still outweighs the bad by a vast majority, but then you notice that all the bad is recent as opposed to before. So I thought that was pretty neat with the new Halo coming out this year and uh, the disappointment I've expressed with Final Fantasy XV. We'll see if Seven can uh, the remake can ignite reignite that fire. I was a big fan of the demo, and I hope uh, th- I'm not crazy about the whole part fucking shit though. That sounds awful. But besides that, you know, I hope I hope that turns out well. I'm having an absolute blast with the original on PS4 right now. It's a hell of a good time, especially uh, when you're not young anymore and you implement crazy material combos. It's a great time. Uh, so besides that, I'm still dabbling a little bit in New Vegas uh, on the off time. Kind of got hindered by Doom Eternal coming out. Um, still trying to do Crisis Core when I can, but uh, having to work my work computer at home. Uh, I don't really, I can't really get to the core and stuff I need to do Crisis Core at this time. So that kind of sucks. Anyway, going right into Doom Eternal, which is definitely going to be the meat of uh, of my conversation here. And there's lots to talk about. It's a very interesting game, actually. So a lot of people have said that, you know, after Doom Eternal, I cannot go back to 20, Doom 2016, and I disagree very strongly. I think I think Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal are so different in so many ways that you can enjoy them in two very different ways as well. I think they're... They're so different, whereas Doom 2016 is, like, uh, pure first-person shooter action. There's there's the chainsaw for ammo, and there's grenades no one uses, and then shooting. And, like, that's fucking it. There's nothing else to the game. But that's its strongest, like, uh, that's its strongest thing it has going for it, is that it's, it's beauties and it's simplicity. It's, the shooting is fun, the the deaths are over the top. Obviously, there's the glory kills, and it's just pure. I don't want to say mindless, but it's near mindless fun because you don't have to think about too much. You just go out there and you just keep doing it. Um, Doom Eternal is very different from that. You have so many things at your disposal and so many mechanics that work in tandem with one another. You're almost playing like a MOBA character, like uh, like a very complicated Overwatch character. In Doom Eternal, um, along with all the new movement abilities, like that's part of that kit. It's not even just the dashes you get; it's the the monkey bars you can grab and launch up into the air. 
it's very uh it's a vastly different thing from 2016 because of all these new mechanics it very it, i don't want to say it complicates the gameplay but it makes it much more mechanized than 2016 was so new things that are added are right away you get double jump it's not even you don't you don't wait at all you get double jump then you get two dashes that recharge very quickly um so dodging plays a way bigger emphasis in this one because hit like it's a lot harder first of all so they're they give you that dash because they're trying to tell you like don't get hit anymore uh, that's a good thing or a bad thing, depending on your point of view. If you like the all-out aggression of 2016, like you will still get that in Eternal, absolutely. It's just you're going to be punished a lot more if you're just playing very recklessly. Uh, and some people don't consider that to be what Doom should be. Me not being a diehard Doom fan, I've only played 2016 in Eternal so far. Um, I, I, I didn't think it was any better or any worse as far as the pace goes and this new aggression and dashes goes. Um, I, I think they both have their place and I was very satisfied playing Doom Eternal. It never felt like, uh, like I was like, oh shit, I wish I didn't have to like constantly dash around and dodge these attacks. I was very fine with it. So along with that, yeah, like I said before, you got, you got these monkey bars that can launch into the air. They're, they really want you moving, not just on the ground, in the air, flying over the place with teleporters and jump pads, shooting stuff in the air. Um, so it's, it's not like a huge part of the game. It's more for the platforming sections, which we'll get into later. Um, so yeah, those are the new movement things for combat. It really, uh, shakes things up and they emphasize this, not just, uh, constant movement, but also verticality and in general, uh, I guess. <laughs> anyway, so other things that have changed in combat is now fire mainly from your flamethrower, and you can also get it on certain weapons like the super shotgun. So any enemies that are on fire that you do damage to will now give you armor. Armor plays a much bigger role, I feel, in this one than 2016. You constantly want to be refilling that armor, so you want things on fire as much as you can in large groups. So, uh, and especially if you're going to chainsaw an on-fire enemy, because you're going to get lots of armor and lots of ammo back. And that's another big change in this game is the ammo. I don't want to say it's much more scarce because you just chainsaw to get uh, stuff, but they definitely made it so that you run out of ammo a lot quicker on your guns. So you're forced to find weak enemies to chainsaw so they give you all your ammo back. There's a little bit of a problem with this, though, is that unless you're the weakest level of enemies, like the zombies, uh, the possessed and stuff like that, uh, those will die in one chainsaw, and chainsaw always refills to one use at least. It will not go past one use automatically. You have to find ammo for it, but if you have no ammo for the chainsaw, it'll automatically go up to one after a certain amount of time to make sure that you always have ammo at your disposal. But the problem is is that any enemy that isn't those level enemies, like I said, are take three chainsaw, uh, chainsaw ammo to use, and you'll just never use that because you're in constant need of ammo. You need to kill the, the smaller guys. So the chainsaw, I feel like, it plays a greater role, but it, the the fun of it is taken out because you only use it for the weak, smaller enemies. You don't get that satisfi satis uh, satisfying feeling of, like, chainsawing Marauder. Uh, I shouldn't say Marauder, sorry. Um, the the big floaty guys and shit. Whatever. <laughs> uh, the point, point what I'm saying is I wish a lot of these enemies had took two chainsaws to use. So... 
uh, you could really free up some of that fuel and really get more utility out of that chainsaw. Otherwise, it's just it's basically just your ammo tool at this point, and I feel like that's a little bit of a downgrade from the utility you had in 2016. So after the chainsaw, you now have more grenades and an ice bomb, and I feel like they're much better in this game than 2016. They have a lot more impact, more upgrades. They just feel better to be used. Along with fire, you throw in a couple grenades, and they all explode, and you get all your armor back. It's fantastic. I love that. Um, sorry, speaking so much in a wrong game. Dry. Um, they also added a couple new weapons. The overall roster of weapons is more or less the same from the last game, which is a bit of a disappointment, to say the least. You know, you wish half the guns were new and half were old. I think that'd be a bit more fair. Unfortunately, we only got like two or three new ones. The ballista is new and pretty cool. It replaces the the Geist rifle or the, the laser siege weapon from the last game, and you get uh, the Unmaker, which I think is an old Doom reference. And they're both pretty fucking sweet. Uh, the new, um, sorry, what was I going to say before that? The new mods for all the weapons are fairly fun. A lot of them are returned from the last game as well. The new weapons are, are yeah, like I said, both fun. So nothing too much to complain about there. The super shotgun now has the, the meat hook to give you even more verticality. Grab enemies in the air and get closer to certain enemies. It's my understanding if you're playing on very high difficulties like Ultra Nightmare, using a super shotgun is almost uh, completely discouraged because as soon as you get in there, you just get absolutely fucking shit on and you don't have that access to ultimate movement at any point. Uh, so that's alright. Um, so the the combat is pretty much what you expect, and I think I pretty much went all uh, over it all there. Glory kills may play still play a very important role. Like I said, the armor is a much more important role than the chainsaws there, just to be your ammo machine. Wish it was. Wish some enemies took only two. Uh, and yeah, you run out of ammo fairly quickly by the end of the game. It's not that bad, but you'll still find yourself running out much more than you did in 2016. So going on to the other combat things, there's a new enemy called the Marauder, and from what I find online, he's very divisive, to say the least. Some people really like his implementation in this game, some people don't. I'm kind of in between. I don't really like him all that much. Uh, the thing about, I always liked about Doom 2016 and Eternal and, uh, also is it's constant breakneck pace. You're constantly going, you're constantly attacking. Uh, you never want to stop and take your time and and think too much. The Marauder is the antithesis of this. He is his whole gimmick is that he's always going to block your shots, and you can only attack him when he gives you a small window when he's attacking. So you have to wait for him. I feel like it slows down the pace a lot and it forces you to think. I don't think you benefit from moving around the Marauder because he's always going to block you, and it just makes it harder for you to predict his attacks on you. He also spawns a wolf every few seconds that will attack you automatically along with himself, and dog is fast and nimble, and it's hard to get a read on sometimes. Um, and he just takes a fuckload of damage. Like, you can shotgun him eight times, and it's nothing. You can hit him with rockets, you can hit him with a chain gun, and he just shrugs it off. He's definitely one of the tankiest enemies in the game. And I think they... I think they should have towed him down a bit. I don't think they should have made him so... Like, such a... The only way to kill him is wait for him to attack you, then shoot him. I feel like like something has to give there. 
maybe if you hit his shield enough, even if it's a lot of bullets, like all your chain gun ammo, it would break and stun him for a moment, and you can get some serious damage into him until his shield recharges. I think that'd be a little bit better. Um, so that's the Marauder. That's one of the more divisive things online for sure right now. Uh, another weird divisive thing about the game is, it's weird to say, but like the story, not because it's bad or good or anything, but, um, I don't, and it's not even forced cause you can just skip cutscenes and you don't have to give a shit. But I, I thought what the, such a big appeal of 2016 was the, the, the hint of tongue in cheek humor along with the simplicity and the, the overall meme slash absolutely great character setting of just demons invade Mars, you're a fucking badass that they all fear. There might be something more to it. There might not. It's fairly vague. You just don't give a shit. You want to kill them all. And that was simple and it was effective and strong. And the atmosphere was great. It was a space station with demons. That's it. Um, in this one, they felt like they really wanted to... I don't want to say go out there, but they wanted to show that, you know, they could do something different with Doom. It didn't have to be this thing. So now you got, now you got fucking aliens, at an, like a Halo, fucking, like a Destiny Guardians entire clan. You have uh, all these things that, even if you, even if you force that all of your mind, even if you skip all the cutscenes and say, I don't, I don't care about this, it does change the atmosphere of the game and makes it a bit more, uh, I don't know, colorful a little bit more uh, movie-esque. It loses a, that loses a bit of that edge, that 2016 ad, that it didn't care that it was just a fucking dumb demon-killing violence game. It seemed like this game tried to be a little bit more, but it, it, it made it a little bit less, I think, in my opinion. It's not a game ruin at all. Like It doesn't affect the gameplay or anything like that. And you don't give a shit when you're in the middle of a, with, in a firefight with all this amazing music going off. But it's uh, it's a little bit jarring when, I don't know, you, you go into expecting 2016 and you get something a lot more colorful and something not as, uh, I don't want to say gritty because it's definitely gritty, but it, it's just lacking a little bit of that edge that I think I like. Yeah, so... um. It's mostly when I talk about battle mode is, is it's all right. It's kind of like a little, I don't want to say MOBA-y thing, but there's a little bit of Overwatch elements in it and it involves two characters playing as demons that each have a kit and you have to take down one player playing the Doomslayer who uh, is just trying to survive and kill both of them. He has to kill him within a small window or else one of them will revive and that's pretty much just a round-based system. You can, you know, you can customize your characters a little bit. But yeah, overall, Doom Eternal was a fantastic video game. I beat it in a weekend. I got all the collectibles, which I did not do for Doom 2016. It was a lot more... The map was a lot easier to read in Eternal, which I very much appreciated. Um, so I got all the collectibles that it was possible to get. I upgraded all the weapons except for the first shotgun, the sticky bombs. I have not completed that one challenge, but that's the only one. So I gotta keep working on that. But overall, the game's fucking fantastic. The the Everything I've said so far is just small nitpicks in the grand scheme of things. The gameplay is tight, it's fast, it's ferocious. It's so much goddamn fun to just set entire enemies on fire, throw in some grenades, meat hook to the nearest enemy, blast them with your Gatling gun, switch into the ballista, shoot it on some caca demons. It's, it's this 
absolute moving piece of carnage that you can't help but smile when you play, and it's the, it gives you that same feeling 2016 had when you first picked it up, and that and Rip and Tear first came on, or BFG Division just came on, and now in this one you're in this huge on top of a building fighting a million demons with a four barrel Gatling gun while you're listening to the only one they fear is you, and you get that same feeling. The visuals are, I would say, about on par. I didn't see much of an upgrade personally. Still fantastic though. The game looks great. Um, the audio is fantastic. The sounds sound perfect. The demons sound scary. Uh, the voice acting is perfectly fine, of course. The music, I would say, is probably on par with 2016. I wouldn't say it's any better or worse. It just depends on your tastes. Um, 2016 might have just hit a little bit harder as far as the, the heavy metal goes. Um, yeah, this game was an absolute slam dunk. Like I said, the complaints I did have, like the ammo, Marauder... The story stuff is very minor in comparison to everything else because you have so much goddamn fun during it, you don't even care. Uh, oh yeah, and one one more thing, they had a swimming level in this game, and fuck that. Never include swimming levels in first-person shooters. They're all shit. They don't fucking add anything to the game. They're just frustrating areas that seem to break up the pace between you killing lots of shit and jumping around everywhere. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say. That's Final Fantasy VII and... Uh, that was Doom Eternal and everything I had to say about it. I'm sure this would have came out a lot better if I had Lee to bounce off with, but that's basically been my thoughts. So, uh, send you back to Lee, and thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, Reed. Lee here. Alright, <laughs> so, Fantasy Star Online 2, uh, I rambled about it at the beginning of the cast. It is an MMO from Japan that had was never going to come out here. They have fully translated this game into English, including the cutscenes, poorly, might I add, and I would have it no other way. Uh, and it looks every bit of 2012 uh, and games that came out at that time, namely uh, MMOs. It's got that look. It's got a fantastic character creator. You can make all manner of cool robots, busty ladies, anime, whatever you want. Um, it's there. It's great. Uh, and like I said, I looked at none of this game being one of the biggest fans of uh, Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2. So here we go. Immediately, the... Music, the sound effects, the anything from navigating your menu to how you time an attack, the sound that plays, the teleportation noises, uh, some of the music is even evocative of Fantasy Star Online. Uh, so, like, nostalgia bomb, immediately. This is a time capsule that's been waiting for me for eight years. It's got so much content. I've got a burp, but I don't stop talking. That's what's happening right there. Uh... It's got so much content in it, it's got all these different jobs. I'm like, oh my god, there's more than three... And it's uh, pretty o- pretty o- overwhelming at the t- at this time. No one has an Xbox One or a PC <laughs> that is good enough to run PC games that I know. So I'm playing this alone, uh, and it, you know it's got an in-game text function. Uh, what is the game? It is an action RPG uh, with kind of timing-based combo combat. Uh, so Fantasy Star itself, you are on a giant arc ship. Uh, In the first Fantasy Star, you are the second group of uh, refugees or people coming to settle a new Earth as the old Earth's getting fucked up, uh, which, you know, sounds like a good idea right now, until uh, the planet of the girl, of course, there's shit goes down, there's an explosion, kills everybody on the first ship that showed up, now what? You are a hunter, Uh, there's also a class called a hunter, which is, is not confusing at all, they couldn't pick two other words, whatever, and you go down to the planet... And you do quests, you find people, you carry out military operations, you slay beasts, 
uh, and you try to get to the bottom of what the hell happened. And this is more or less the same game. Uh, some of the ship stuff's a little more fleshed out. I love it. The music's great. Uh, not having seen any of this, this is the craziest. Ex- this is a lost sequel to a game that I love so much that has just existed. Uh, and I just haven't put my paws on it till now. And it's pretty wild. And I'm getting pretty sucked into it. Like, if you told me I had to play either Animal Crossing or Fantasy Star Online 2, you're like... For the next seven days, you can play one or the other. Ooh, that'd be tough, actually. Shit. Because at any time, I could be like, you know what? This is an MMO, and just quit uh, Fantasy Star Online 2. Uh, if you were to say, this coming Saturday... Yeah, I'm really lowering the stakes here. If you were going to say, this coming Saturday, I could only play Fantasy Star Online 2 or Animal Crossing, I might choose Fantasy Star Online 2. Depends on if K.K. Slider's coming to town. He didn't show up last week, so I don't know where his ass is. Anyways... Uh, I'm currently playing, uh, there's a, there's a Braver class, I believe it's called, and, uh, it's katana and bow based. Uh, a lot of the weapons are cool energy swords. There's a sweet gun blade. Uh, there are guns. You can play as ranged classes that use all manner of like assault rifles and launchers. And then there's like your magic based classes or your summoners, uh, or your hand to hand fighters now. And it's all really cool. And the combat feels really crisp. I like it. I thought it was going to feel way more dated and I could bounce off this game quicker. Just not the case. I'm going to keep playing Fantasy Star Online too. Uh, so I don't have much more to say about it right now. I'm around level 15 or so. I've been just kind of doing the, the missions. I ran around the ship and talked to everybody, got my mag, uh, and did all the MMO stuff that a lot of uh, players of regular games, I'll call them, overlook. Uh, such as talking to every NPC and realizing what they offer. Uh, because, like I said, seven years of content, they've found a good way to bottleneck it into this game. They've removed all branding and weird, uh, stuff they had, you know, things with in Japan. You could, like, McDonald's is advertising in Fantasy Star Online, too. Uh, that's all gone and kind of replaced with weird generic ads and stuff. It's so weird. And I love it. And I'm gonna play more of it. Let's talk about Mark Cerny and the PlayStation 5. He uh, did the presentation in front of what looked like the Mystery Science Theater guys. And uh, he has a way of speaking that's very nice. ASMR-like. And he's going to talk for 52 minutes about the technical specs of the PS5. If you were expecting to see the new games and what this thing can do, uh, you didn't really get that with this. This was meant for developers. This was this was very technical uh, and he tried to relate it to things so dummies uh, could tune in and, and like myself, uh, could tune in and kind of understand what they're going for. And here's my main takeaways that I think are most interesting to the people who are listening to this right now. The PS5 will be very powerful. Uh, and instead of focusing on raw power like the Xbox is, it is focusing on speed of RAM and the drive it's using, a solid state drive. Uh, to be able to store more data in the RAM, meaning no loading screens on the PS5, meaning incredibly fast loading to no loading uh, for legacy products such as the PS4 games, which at first Mark said top 100 will be compatible. What he meant was that's the ones they have tested. They have tested thousands of games on this, and Mark Cerny is pretty sure that the entire PS4 library will be compatible on the PS5 at launch. He showed a graphic that seemed to elude to the inclusion of PS3, PS2, and PS1 games as well, but that was not part of his presentation or his announcement. How would you announce that? And I think the answer is Hideo Kojima comes out with a copy of Metal Gear Solid 1 on the PS1, disc 1, mind you, and he pops it in the PS5, and it boots up. What could be better? What's going to happen? We're going to put Crash Bash in the thing, we're going to put Gran Turismo 2? I don't know what other game he would do, Final Fantasy 7? I don't know. 
I don't know what's uh I don't know when they're planning to announce that. The E3 thing is all screwed up. I would have imagined that Sony was going to go a week before E3 happened to get ahead of Microsoft. Uh they are playing it very close to the vest in a way they didn't last generation. They seem very more guarded uh with exactly what their console is going to cost uh and what's and when it's coming out and things like that. So it's very curious uh and I think May, June uh, is when we'll see most of this stuff happen. Uh, apparently, they're moving a GDC into August, which is fucking insane, uh, to announce something like that, only to have to cancel it very shortly, because you're going to have an international con of game developers, and just, let's take down the whole industry with one show. You know, God willing, we're we're all kind of out of this situation uh, by then, of course, but come on, let's just, the Olympics are pushed back. Push it all back. Uh, anyway, Mark Cerny went on to talk about the solid state drive, and the issue here is... With the solid state drive, will third parties adopt it? Uh, obviously, the first party Ninte- uh, Nintendo, uh, PlayStation, Sony stuff like your God of War twos, whatever ha- is coming next for Horizon Zero Dawn. I believe, of course, all of those games uh, will utilize the solid state and have no loads or very little loads and be fantastic. But when it comes to third parties who are developing for not only the PlayStation Five but the Xbox and the PC as well, and when it comes to the PC, that's all manner of Frankenstein's monsters out there: different drives, uh, different setups. How can you guarantee that the PlayStation 5 version will have no loads with this solid-state technology, whereas Joe Blow with a laptop barely able to play the game uh, would also be extended that that olive branch? So that's all very interesting, and uh, it's what Sony is most focused on, uh, whereas Xbox seems more focused on the legacy of, of having all these Xbox games work and whatever comes next uh, kind of all-encompassing, where Sony is is really hedging their bets on this solid-state stuff. So, uh, Mark Cerny, like I said, he talked about 52 minutes. You can find it on YouTube. There's a lot of interesting things he talks about. He specifically uh, pulls out the ex- examples of, like, these massive game worlds, the, this this forest in this castle, but you have to cross through this little tiny, narrow passageway uh, to get between them so the game can hide a load or go into an elevator. Uh, so the game kind of... This... this the limits of loading and what the game can be loading in the background at a time changes game development itself is what he's trying to say uh that if if this solid state drive can can pick on if we can get rid of loading times if we can change how games load in the background uh what what does that mean imagine a game with no no cuts uh it plays out like a movie there's never anything to break the immersion sounds pretty cool uh, loads don't bother me too much. The only time they bother me is in games like your Monster Hunter Worlds, uh, or Fantasy Star Online 2 for that matter, or something like even Animal Crossing has, has some pretty, uh, nasty loads for going between basically what is one area. And I don't know if loads are affected by how much you have in your town, like on the ground. I don't know if it needs to load that every time, but you think there'd be enough RAM to, to load that up a little snappier. So the idea of, of just, no, no, fuck it. It's a, it's a, it's like me playing new Vegas on the Xbox one. Those loads are almost non non-existent. You rarely see a load screen. It just goes, uh, which is really cool. Uh, so that's, that's a cool thing. Backwards compatibility. Also really cool. There's a lot of PS3 games, especially network PS3 games. When indie games kind of start, started to explode and we're on the Xbox live on the PS3. Those are some great games that I just don't have access to or play because they are not on a disc. They require me to go download them off of the PS3, plug in the PS3. If those were available on the next console, I am very interested in that uh, personally. So, voice is getting a little hoarse here. Uh, as it were, uh, I'm going to probably wrap it up now. That, that Mark Cerny thing is on the internet. You can check that out. There's great games available right now. Take care of yourself and others. 
Uh, you'll hear from me on Friday for some sort of Sultans of Slam podcast. In the meantime, we have a huge backlog of podcasts uh, to go look at at titsoftheiceberg.com. You can interface with the show, comment anywhere on uh, Twitter. We are at titsiceberg. Leahtitsoftheiceberg.com is my email. Uh, for myself and Reed, stay safe out there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back to talk about Fallout New Vegas as soon as we can. And you can look forward to Sultans of Slam on Friday and some kind of podcast going into the future, no matter how long this thing goes. So... Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.